0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 22, verses 1 through 25, called The Valley of Vision.
1: Father, We are so grateful to sing a truth that we are lost without you. And yet one of the main theme verses of Luke is you have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we are so grateful that we've been found, that you pursued us, Lord, and you loved us into your kingdom. And we're grateful that you gave a call to Isaiah A heavy burden, Lord, that he would go to a people and keep on speaking, but they would not listen, and heavy burdens that Isaiah bore, and yet his very name means the Lord is salvation. And the book is really about a salvation that you want to bring, not just to Israel, but to the whole world. And we've watched in chapters 13 through 23, or at least uh, arriving at 23, where Burden after burden for different nations are expressed. The prophet, in some sense, must carry the burden of the people. And Lord, all of us, we, we bear burdens. And the heaviest burden that we bear is our own sin. And then you've come to bear that for us, and we're so grateful. But we have other things to do, other burdens that you put upon us. Not heavy ones, but your commandments are not burdensome, but yet you tell us to bear one another's burdens. And thus fulfill the law of Christ. Love will be manifested in caring enough for others to feel at times burdened. But you tell us that we can cast all our burdens to you because you care for us. So tonight, Lord, as we look at your great prophet Isaiah, we know that he was simply human and um, these were hard things for him. And we're going to watch him cry couple different times in Isaiah 22, and and there I think we'll see your heart, Lord, for people and for your own people. So we just ask for your guidance tonight by your Holy Spirit. Give us your heart, your um, your ways that we would walk in them, and give us ears to hear what your Spirit says to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So chapters 13 through 23 are the burdens or the oracles of these different nations. And we left off in the oracle about Edom, concerning Edom, this is 21.11. One keeps calling to me from Mount Seir, Watchman, how far gone is the night? Isaiah 21.11. Watchman, how far gone is the night? And the watchman says, Morning comes, but also night. If you would inquire, inquire and come back again. Now that's where we left off. A question is asked of the watchman on the watchtower. How far gone? How much time do we have? Uh, When is everything going to unfold? And he's not given a specific answer, but he's told to inquire again, to come back again. And then the oracle switches. It switches from Edom in verse 11 to Arabia in verse 13. This is the oracle about Arabia. If you have a New King James Version, it says the burden against Arabia. And these, were, these oracles were heavy messages from God through the prophet to a people group. Why would God bother giving a message to a people that was idolatrous, lost, rebellious, whatever you want to say? Why does he bother even sending a prophet to them? Because God wants to warn people that there is a right way to live. There is a way to follow. And truly, as we sang the last song before we started, we are lost without Him. The message of the cross, think about this. The message of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.18, is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is, carries with it a dual positive and negative message. The positive message is that Jesus Christ died for our sins, paid it all on the cross, and it's a free gift. But the negative side of that message is that God is serious about sin, so serious that he would pour his wrath on his only son and allow him to suffer and die as though he had committed all of our sins. And that cross is there for a a reason It speaks both of the love of God and of the seriousness and holiness and wrath of God. And so the cross has these intersecting truths. Think think of the crossbar. The love of God is on display at the cross, but so is the holiness of God. They both intersect at the person of Jesus Christ. And that message is a message that we ought to be burdened with. In what sense? We ought to be burdened to get it to as many lost people as possible, much in the spirit of the Apostle Paul in Romans 9, who said that he had, what? Unceasing grief in his heart, that his kinsmen, according to the flesh, would be saved. So much so, in Romans 9, in mind-blowing language, he says, I would even wish myself to be accursed from Christ under the anathema, the strongest Greek word he could use, that my kinsmen, according to the flesh, would be saved. In essence, he's saying... If it were possible for me to go to hell, that they could inherit heaven, I would be willing to do that. Now, I don't know if you have that kind of burden, but if you could just begin to get a little bit of that burden, I think you're starting to feel the Apostle Paul's heart, and I think you're starting to feel Isaiah's heart. And remember, these are mere men. They are not superhuman. They are just like you. The Apostle Paul was lost. He was a hater of the church and tried to stamp it out and God used him. Isaiah said he was a man of unclean lips and God uh, touched his lips and gave him a burden. And when you start to see things through God's perspective, you start to get burdens for things that have little to do with you and more to do with eternal things and the lives of others. There's a saying that I came across couple days back, and it said if you are going through some tough times, you got some heavy burdens, here's a 10-point system to cure yourself. Do something nice for somebody else, and then repeat that nine more times. Sometimes when we're going through something heavy, the best thing that we can do is try to do something blessed for somebody else. So Isaiah's given a burden, but his burden is to pass it on And he mentions here an oracle or a burden against Arabia in the thickets, look at the middle of 13, of Arabia, you must spend the night, O caravans of the Dedanites. Now the thickets are probably scrub brush here. And uh, the Dedanites are, uh, Dedan was uh, on the route to the Red Sea about 200 miles southeast of Duma in the northwestern part of the Arabian desert. One writer says, There is a wordplay here again. The Hebrew consonants in the word translated Arabia are the same as the Hebrew words for evening. The prophet is using a double entendre to portray Arabia as slipping into the night. And it's interesting to me that, you know, when it came to the Oracle of Edom, the, the person asking the question said, how far gone is the night? And then Arabia gets a burden. Proclaimed against them, and they are pictured in a double entendre with double language. They are slipping into the night. The nation is slipping away, slipping into darkness. Darkness is a metaphor for evil. Darkness is sweeping over the land. You were formerly darkness, Ephesians 5 8, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's Ephesians 5 8. We belong to another. Um, kingdom, the kingdom of light. Now it talks about people who are uh, affected by all that's going on in the war and the threats, but water, bring water for the thirsty, 14, O inhabitants of the land of Tema. Meet the fugitive with bread. There are so many fugitives right now today, so many people that are fleeing other lands of war and famine to try to find refuge in refugee camps. And if you got to see some of these places today, you would be blown away. I was in a refugee camp in uh, India, and refugees from Bhutan had come down because of unrest and war and even religious persecution. And there were these thousands of people all over the place, and they were living in conditions that were incredible. No running water. Flies. There would be eight, nine flies on a kid's face there with with a diaper on, and they wouldn't even whisk the flies away. They just didn't even sense it anymore and there i was as an american and they gave me a chance to preach in this little house church and when i'm talking about a house church i'm talking about something that was built with bamboo and had a newspaper roof it was this guy's house this young pastor they had the little living room here which was the church and then his bedroom for he and his wife and i went in there and it felt like 120 degrees inside like you were in a sauna and you had to preach with a tie on out of respect. And you know what they gave you to drink as an American? Because you don't want to drink the water, man, right? They gave you hot tea. That's what you got to drink. And so there I am. And all these people start flooding into this, this living room. And I'm speaking to a translator. And they sit there. And it's like they didn't even know the heat was there. And they were hungry for the word of God. And I got to preach to these people. And it just made, made me feel so spoiled sometimes when the air conditioning is not set perfectly here. And then I'm like, "Ah, oh, hey, is there an usher somewhere? Can you, I'm hot, you know? And I think, how spoiled, you know? I guess we just don't, sometimes we just don't realize. For they have fled from the swords, 15, and here is a picture of the Assyrian army, from the drawn sword and from the bent bow and from the press of battle. Their fleeing. For thus the Lord said to me, In a year, as a hired man would count it, all the splendor of Kedar will terminate because of this ferocious uh, enemy coming. The glory of Kidar will fail. This uh, long-term anticipates the prophecy. Uh, it's a prophecy about Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, dealing with that land. And the remainder of the number of bowmen, 17... The mighty men of the sons of Kedar will be few, for the Lord God of Israel has spoken.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: They had the little living room here, which was the church, and then his bedroom for he and his wife, and I went in there, and it felt like 120 degrees inside, like you were in a sauna, and you had to preach with a tie on out of respect, and you know what they gave you to drink as an American, because you don't want to drink the water, man, right? They gave you hot tea. That's what you got to drink, and so there I am, and all these people start flooding into this, this living room, and I'm speaking through a translator, and they sit there, and it's like they didn't even know the heat was there, and they were hungry for the word of God, and I got to preach to these people. And it just made made me feel so spoiled. Sometimes when the air conditioning is not set perfectly here, and then I'm like, oh, hey, is there an usher somewhere? Can you? I'm hot, you know? And I think, how spoiled, you know? I guess we just don't, sometimes we just don't realize. For they have fled from the swords, 15, and here is a picture of the Assyrian army from the drawn sword and from the bent bow and from the press of battle. They're flaying. For thus the Lord said to me, In a year, as a hired man would count it, all the splendor of Kedar will terminate because of this ferocious uh, enemy coming. The glory of Kedar will fail. This uh, long term anticipates the prophecy. Uh, it's a prophecy about Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, dealing with that land. And the remainder of the number of bowmen, 17, the mighty men of the sons of Kedar, will be few, for the Lord God of Israel has spoken. Now we're going to come into chapter 22, and as we do, we're going to look at the oracle of the valley of vision. Notice verse 1, chapter 22, the oracle concerning Or the burden against the valley of vision? What is the matter with you now? Do you have somebody in your life where that's a question that you have to raise? (laughs) And maybe not for substantive reasons. What's the matter with you now? Oh, you don't have to say anything. (laughs) You have all gone up to the housetops. This is a continuation of God's judgment, but I want you to see now the oracle or the burden is against the valley of vision. Write down in your notes or your margin verses four and five and nine and ten. The valley of vision is Jerusalem. It is a sarcastic way of identifying God's city. Now, what do we know of Jerusalem? Well, we know Jerusalem sits on a hill. It is actually an elevated city and it looks down on valleys. Think of the Kidron Valley. Uh, and other valleys. I think there's three valleys there. But in a sarcastic way, the elevated city of God, the place of prophets, the place where there should be clarity of sight, this should be the place where people go for answers. Uh, Think of the uh, Ethiopian eunuch coming uh, to worship there. Uh, reading the scroll of Isaiah, this is the place that you find God. This is the place of holy men and prophets, and the Shekinah presence of God in the in the uh, tabernacle, in specifically uh, the temple. And now the Valley of Vision is a sarcastic way of saying that Jerusalem, rather than it being an elevated place where you could see clearly what was going on in the world and be able to share it with others, it has sunk down into a valley. There are people who live their lives, sometimes they get some of the truth of the word of God, but for whatever reason, their, their hearts turn or their eyes turn and they sink down to a place. And a valley is always a description of dark places and difficulty. Sometimes valleys are just life. Things just happen. And sometimes we end up in valleys because we've walked there. And even David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I like the fact that in that psalm, he says, I'm going to walk through it. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But here, Jerusalem has become the valley of vision. And the question is asked, and here's literally how you could say it, what to you then? What is up with you people that you've gone up, to the housetops. Now, this was very common in the, in the uh, Middle East because the rooftops were flat. People would spend time on the rooftops. And remember, even Peter got a vision up on the rooftop. And there he got the vision of the sheet coming down out of the sky in the book of Acts. And he was told about Gentiles being ultimately being cleaned by the same gospel that he had embraced. Sometimes people would go up there to mourn. Sometimes people went up on the roof to get a clearer look at the landscape. Sometimes people went up on the roof to party, to have a good time, to relax, to enjoy life, whatever the case may be. But the the question that is raised here is, what is going on with you? What is the deal with you? The Lord has revealed Himself to you, but what's the matter with you? And I think the implication is this. Why don't you see things clearly? You're the valley of vision. You're the place that God reveals the secret things of the Lord that He wants to reveal to the prophets. Why don't you see? They will will keep on seeing, but they will not see, not perceive, not understand with their hearts. They will look on a situation, but they will lack, here's the idea, spiritual discernment. Now we, we find that, don't we? Sometimes we look at uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not appraise things uh, the way that he should. He All things are appraised by the spiritual man, yet he's appraised by no man. But the, the natural man, he doesn't know how to appraise things. Now think of that idea. An appraiser, what does he do? He assesses value. You as a spiritual person, you know how to appraise value because hopefully... Your eyes are looking through the lens of eternal things. And ultimately, what you want to do is you want to have God's eyes. You want to have God's eyes for situations, people, priorities, all those things. But God, through Isaiah, is saying, why why don't you have the right eyes right now? Why can't you see what's going on? Why can't you make a proper, discerning judgment on the times that you live in? Jesus said, you can look at the sky and you can predict the weather, but you don't know how to understand the signs of the times? You don't know how to read the writing on the wall? That's the idea here. So what's the matter? Why are you up there? And many believe that as they study this passage that they're up there celebrating, that they're practicing, uh, they're, they're partying, they're practicing what we would call escapism. It looks dark out there, so rather than you know, making proper provision and and making sure that things are going to be right and we've planned right and we're going to protect that which we love. All they're doing is drowning their sorrows. Escapism. Americans are famous for it. As as a matter of fact, it's largely what we do anymore. Sometimes we don't want to deal with reality, so what we do is we try to escape from it. And we call those our medicines. Oh, One person's medicine is the TV and another person's medicine is drugs and another person's medicine is alcohol and another person's medicine is uh, pornography and another person's medicine and it's all about escapism. Now, look, I'm human. There are some times when I, I'll admit, I want to just veg out. I need a day off. God has allowed me to have some time to rest. But people who practice escapism that is, they don't want to face reality and they live most of their life trying to escape that which is right before them so they don't have to deal with it, they're lost. They're living in a fantasy world and the world will give you as much fantasy as you can afford. As long as you can pay for it. As long as you have room on your credit card and they can get your money, you can keep on gambling, you can keep on buying pornography, you can keep on buying liquor, You can keep on trying to drown your sorrows. And God says, but you're up on the roof and you don't see.
0: You've been listening to the Valley of Vision, part one on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 22, verses one through 25. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And here's a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener supported ministry. Your donation helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also part of how we're able to offer our 633 apologetic events for free. There's a lot behind the scenes to help create this radio and podcast program too. So we're very grateful to our financial and prayer partners. So seriously, thank you. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Walk in Truth, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month? Every bit helps. So please pray about it and then visit walkintruth.com to donate. If you can't give right now, would you please become a prayer partner? Just keep this ministry in your prayers. But if you can give a donation, please visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go.
1: Well, sometimes what the Word of God has to report to us isn't pretty, and there's no way to make it pretty. The truth is that, you know, sometimes you'll read a section in the Word of God, and it will simply be saying, destruction is coming, and warning and warning and warning has been given given, and it's not been heeded. And so destruction is coming, and that's what Isaiah foresees in the book of Isaiah. And there's no way to clean up the destruction of Jerusalem. There's no way to clean up or make pretty or sanitize when judgment comes. It is what it is. But you know, the good news of the gospel is that judgment came on Jesus instead of us at the cross. And the book of Isaiah does bring Amazing light to the prophetic uh, or I should say the prophecies about the coming Messiah who would be the answer to all that ails us as a world, as uh, the church. And, uh, you know, he's the savior of the world, but we've got to receive him into our lives. He is the answer to all the dilemmas. He takes the judgment upon himself at the cross. Now that doesn't mean that judgment won't come to the world, but it won't, it will, but it won't come to those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you made the God man, Emmanuel, God in human flesh, your Lord, your God, your King, your Savior? Well, he is a prayer away. And if you've not done this before, now is the time. Today is the acceptable day of salvation. Lord Jesus, pray it if it's you. Come into my life. Keep your eyes open if you're driving. Thank you that you entered into our pain in the person of Christ. Thank you that you took my judgment at the cross. You lived the perfect life that I can never live. You rose from the dead to defeat our ultimate enemy, death. Thank you, Lord. Be my God. Be my king. Be my savior. If you're a prodigal, come home. You don't have to have perfect words, but come home to your father. And if you're a saint, praise the Lord for his great salvation. Praise the Lord for our future with him forever. Praise the Lord that one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. No more curse, no more sin, no more death, no more disease. The former things will have passed away. Oh, he is the God of hope, and we're so grateful to have him as our Savior and King. Well, hey, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to know. This is Pastor Michael Lance. It's Walk in Truth. Hey, reach out to us by sending us an email. If we can help you with a prayer request, get a Bible into your hands, help you find a good, healthy church in your area, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com.
0: See you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah 22, verses 1 through 25, called The Valley of Vision. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.